0: Casting live across the great state of Montana. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint.
1: Well, I think we've got today's all oh, for Pete's sake moment here. We've got another story for you here. What what has been the ongoing story here with uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg? Uh, The sputtering uh, sound that you hear in the Federal Aviation Administration, the the sputtering sound that you hear across the Department of Transportation, I mean, the near collisions uh, uh, that's been taking place in the aviation sector. You've got a Department of Transportation secretary who couldn't fill potholes as a mayor in Indiana. And, and now we're, we're seeing crumbling infrastructure. We're seeing him focus on racist roads and racist bridges. And earlier in the week, he was he he couldn't be bothered to talk about this massive train derailment and the environmental catastrophe uh, on underway right now. But he found time to complain about white construction workers. Uh anyway, uh Pete Buttigieg delivered those remarks at a national association of counties uh, a meeting earlier this week, I believe in Washington, D.C., and uh, Yellowstone County Commissioner John Ostland uh, was at those NACO meetings. We're going to catch up with him here later this hour of the show. But here's the other, uh, the other absurd story out of our federal government. Uh, in fact, I spotted this uh, via Twitter uh, from Montana Congressman Ryan Zinke just 30 minutes ago. Uh, apparently, he uh, has uh, just landed a spot On the Interior Appropriations Committee, and he says he found the first program to defund. According to the Washington Times, the Interior Department's Fish and Wildlife Service is offering eco-grief training to employees who are struggling with a sense of trauma or loss as they witness a changing environment so the Department of Interior under the Biden administration is funding eco grief training for uh, federal employees uh if it's not the oh for Pete's sake story It's the good grief story of the day. Uh, well, a lot to talk about here, uh, this hour of Montana talks. I mentioned we're going to have Yellowstone County commissioner, John Oslin, uh, join us here later in the hour. First up though, coming up right after the break, we're going to catch up with Montana governor, Greg Gianforte, uh, just last night, uh, he held a round table discussion with community leaders and, and locals on the ground in Sydney, Montana, uh, basically to hear directly from them, uh, What we need to do, what we need to do to make sure the workers at the Sydney Sugar's sugar beet factory are going to be taken care of. And then I I know a number of questions we're all interested in hearing more about is what can be done to potentially save the sugar beet factory? If anything, could local farmers, uh, you know, form their own co-op and then purchase the factory? Even if they can purchase the factory, could could they even sell the sugar based on the current allotment rules that are in place here? Here in this country as well. We've got the governor coming up right after this quick break here on the show. We'll hear from him firsthand, not only what he heard last night, but uh, uh, hopefully what, what can be done as well and, and what uh, the state officials are looking at. So uh, Governor Greg Gianforte right after this, and then Yellowstone County Commissioner John Oslin and much more here on Montana Talks. This is the Montana Economic Minute.
0: Imagine that you lock two dozen smart people in a room and ask them to solve housing affordability. You don't have to leave until they do. Not in the current "do something" sense of the task. We don't need symbolic gestures, bold pronouncements, ribbon cuttings, and the like. What is needed are actions and policies that meaningfully change the trend of housing prices going up faster than income in community after community. Performing this task for the entire state is difficult because there's no such thing as a state housing market. Housing is just about the most local kind of good there is: local geography, local demand, local regulation, and perhaps about Of all local politics. We have the kind of housing regulations, decisions, and policies in communities across the state because the people who vote and show up at meetings like it that way. Preserving the character of neighborhoods, which in practice often means not building anything, is extremely popular with those who live in them, even if it locks others out overcoming that at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, Target, Rite Aid
1: and online.
2: Navage, N-A-V, A-G-E, clean nose, healthy life.
1: From the latest on the China spy balloon coverage to the drag queens that showed up at the Montana legislature. Montana Talks is the show where we cover a lot of ground, even more than a China spy balloon some days. It's also the show where you get a chance to call in. You get a chance to be heard all across Montana and hear what others have to say. Montana Talks, we take you statewide every Monday through the first sign and get treatment immediately. Time counts. Learn more at montanastroke.org. A message from Montana DPHHS.
0: Serving the great state of Montana from the peaks of the Beartooths to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks. With Aaron Flint.
1: All right, let's jump right into it here. Montana Governor Greg Gianforte joining us here on the show. Uh, Governor, thanks for joining us, kind of a, especially after a last-minute request. I know a lot of folks are interested in hearing uh, what you have to say, what you heard last night in Sydney, Montana.
0: Well, Aaron, thanks for having me on. And as people are aware, uh, this Sydney Sugars plant has been closed. It eliminated about 120 jobs there. And and honestly, the really, the... Motivation for most of our sugar beet farmers out there in that um, lower Yellowstone Valley. So I wanted to go there and get on the ground uh, and hear from the folks. And let me just say, I was uh, there's a lot of grief in the community right now. People are still absorbing this news, uh, but they share a resolve to grow stronger. We had the mayor, county commissioners, school superintendent, a number of growers. Uh, representative of Sydney Sugars and the job service there as well. Uh, so what did I hear? Well, we want to make sure these factory workers land on their feet. Um, fortunately, we have a strong economy. Uh, We're uh, The Department of Labor and Industry is putting extra staff there in our job service office to make sure they get connected with jobs. We heard from growers. they You know, they're making plans for the spring, and if they can't put beets in the ground, they've got to put something else in the ground. The good news is the ground that beets get planted in is, you know, along the river. It's irrigated. It's high-production ground. Uh, And uh, working with the farm extension offices, we're looking at helping those farmers develop alternatives. And then the economic development folks that were there were talking about how could that factory be repurposed. Uh, They've had some folks coming in talking about it. I know you mentioned in your in your run up before this about could the growers acquire it? Uh, there was some discussion about that last night. That was attempted, but again, one of the the sugar market in the US is one of the most regulated markets we have. These allotments go with factories and there was an attempt a number of years ago to turn that factory into a co-op, but they could never work out the arrangement due to this federal subsidy allotment that attaches to it. So the bottom line is Richland County is resilient. Uh, They're going to get past this. Uh, The growers are going to get crops in the ground. Uh, They're going to come up. They're going to harvest them, and uh, they're going to bounce back.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And that's what that's what we heard uh, in Glendive last uh, Friday as well. And we were there for the Glendive Agri-Trade Expo, which is, uh, fortunately, you're right, this is some of the bre- best ground in the state. It's irrigated. So the ability to grow other crops is is still there. Uh, it, the challenge right, more immediately is, of course, uh, for those workers on the ground who've, uh, who've, uh, who've lost their jobs. And I know when we spoke with Jeff Bieber from the Montana-Dakota Bee Growers Association, you know, the farmers uh, are, are also, you know, first and foremost. Most uh, concern about the future for those local workers. What were some of the alternatives that were that uh, some of the local economic development folks were potentially looking at?
0: Well, I mean, for the farmers, it, the, there's a lot of corn being grown in that section. Corn takes a lot of water, uh, and there are markets for that in Canada and across the U.S. Uh, the they have had the EDA folks uh, have had some out-of-state uh, uh, firms come in and look at the facility. Uh, they did not release the names of those because formal decisions haven't been made. And I will say, you know, this has been a real priority for me. At the Department of Commerce, we currently have 150 uh, businesses, out-of-state businesses in our pipeline. And Sydney's a wonderful community. And for someone who needs qualified workers, it's a great place to put a manufacturing plant. Uh, not every state loves freedom the way Montana does. Not every state has a pro-business tax environment. So I heard that over and over again when I was at the SHOT Show. I saw you down there. Um, Many firms want to come to Montana. We're going to make sure that Sydney is on their short list for consideration when they think about moving here.
1: Well, and on top of that, I was extremely—I uh, ex- was so excited to see the the farm-to-table products. You know, when I was at the the, the Glendive show last Friday, there was a, a company at a Circle Montana. Not only are they growing the chickpeas, they're then manufacturing those those chickpea products into several different uh, different uh, products, from flour to uh, cookie mix and, and so much more. And so, I know some folks are saying, "Hey, is there some sort of value-added uh, program that could go in there?" Well, you don't need to just sell the sugar, you you. Refine these products into something else, and you, and you sell it, and 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 you sell not just the refined product, but uh, a manufactured product that can end up on store shelves uh, across the state and across the country. On top of that, we also had the news about uh, RY Timber. The sad, sad news about RY Timber in uh, in Livingston, you know, just got hit with a second fire, and they announced that they won't be re- reopening as well. So I know, heck, you're very familiar with our friends in Livingston, and 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 folks in Livingston very concerned right now as well.
0: We can't lose any mill capacity, uh, and uh, we – I was just last week, I was in D.C. I had a chance to sit down with the head of the Forest Service. He'll be visiting here in Montana. We need this mill capacity to be better stewards of our forests. So I am hopeful that that asset in Livingston will be brought back to life. We're starting to do outreach. That's brand-new news as of last week. Uh, we can't lose this capacity, but they need reliable log supply, and we need the Forest Service to be a better partner with us. So we can be better stewards of our forests.
1: That's right, and I know on the state front. I mean, just in your first uh, first couple of years alone, you doubled the number of, of acreage that's been harvested here under the Good Neighbor Authority agreements, and so that's been that's been huge. But but really, what we, we've seen this uh, hit to our mills now for thirty plus years. A lot of work uh, uh, to try to turn this around. All right, Governor Greg Gianforte, great to catch up with you. Uh, if if you've got time, stand by. We'll come back to you uh, with some final thoughts here right after the break. And then, uh, and then uh, after the governor, we've got Yellowstone County Commissioner John Osland in studio with us. He was at those Naco meetings, the National Association of Counties. So we'll a uh, juicy. This is the gold standard of chicken sandwiches. Order the original Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich on the Chick-fil-A app today. Real customers paid for their testimonials. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Uh, we've got the Yellowstone County Commissioner John Austin in the house. We'll get to him here in just a couple of minutes, uh, but a couple more minutes here with Montana Governor Greg Gianforte after his roundtable meeting in Sydney last night. Uh, Governor, I know you were also in Lewistown yesterday uh, promoting uh, uh, tax relief measures that you're supporting. And we're going to get our legislative update in about uh, one hour uh, from the Speaker of the House. But where do you see tax relief uh, in the legislature right now?
0: Well, I've been really clear. Montana's overpaid their taxes. We need to give it back. So I proposed a billion dollars of tax relief, the largest tax package in the history of the state. I'm encouraged by the progress. Most of the eight bills have passed from the House to the Senate or vice versa, but they're not on my desk yet. So I want to get them in, signed into law as quickly as possible. We're The components, very briefly, we're going to permanently reduce income tax rates that most Montanans pay. We're going to dramatically increase the uh, exemption for business equipment tax to a million dollars for every small business in the state. Uh, We're going to give immediate relief on property taxes to every Montana homeowner, and we're doing some simplification of the uh, corporate taxes, and we're adding a $1,200 per child tax credit to help young families raise their kids. And I'm excited about it. It's going to give a boost to families, and it's going to make our state more competitive and let people keep more money, their own money in
1: their pocket. All right. It sounds like a lot of these bills have already, uh, as you've mentioned, transmitted from one chamber to the other, and uh, you're ready to sign tax relief once it hits your desk. Governor Gene Forte, thanks for your time this morning. Great to have you on the program.
0: My pleasure, Aaron.
1: All right, yeah, thanks for the last-minute update there as well. I know a lot of folks uh, uh, wanted to to hear uh, about our friends in Sydney and and, uh, the meeting last night as well. Uh, Well, hey, uh, before I get to our next guest in studio with us here, I got a few messages that came in on our Montana Talks app. Uh, Bruce and Ennis. What are allotment rules? Is that the government's way of controlling the commodities market? Uh, I think that's probably a good summary, Bruce. Basically, the federal government dictates how much sugar can be sold in the U.S. so these companies have an allotment. So American Crystal Sugar Company that owned the Sydney Sugar Sugar Beet Factory owns the allotment of sugar. So even if the farmers are able to buy the factory, if they don't own the allotment, They can't sell the sugar anyway, so those allotments uh, would need to be changed also if something like that were to occur. Thanks for the question. Tim and Billings made a really good point here. Boy, oh boy, could Richland County use some of the tax revenue from the Keystone XL pipeline right about now. You know, considering the sugar factory closure, coinciding with the with the MDU closing the uh, the Lewis and Clark uh, power plant. Uh, so that was uh, from Tim and Billings. Meanwhile, Brooke in Billings said this. The residents of Palestine, Ohio, you know, where that train derailment occurred. And there's, now there's this massive uh, environmental catastrophe uh, by all the, the, the sounds of, of it from what we're hearing. Residents of Palestine, Ohio. I'm having a hard time breathing and my kids are breaking out in rashes. Them, we tested the air and water, they're fine. Uh, Brooke says, reminds me of something. The masks aren't a big deal and the shot is safe and effective anyway that was the uh, the message from Brooke in billings thanks for that message yellowstone county commissioner john oslin now with us here commissioner thanks for joining us here in studio good to see you good to see you aaron thanks for having me on you know when uh, uh mayor pete uh the guy who couldn't fill potholes as mayor in indiana is the transportation secretary he made these outlandish remarks complaining about white construction workers and and then when I saw where he delivered these remarks at, he completely ignored the train derailment in Ohio. But when I saw he, he made these remarks at a National Association of Counties meeting, my first thought was, I know we had Montanans who were back there for NACO. We, and you were one of the first that came to mind because you've been working on transportation issues for Montana for, uh, for a long time. For a long time, Aaron. And, yeah, we were back there. Uh, for the National Association of Counties and quite honestly, I think
3: it's kind of a disgrace that we inject race into every component on the left. You know, there's no place for race in construction projects, and there's no reason to have that conversation. And it's kind of interesting that the Transportation Secretary doesn't have anything to say about a train derailment, a subsequent fire that sent toxic gas into the air. We got all of these people pushing everything around the environment, and when you have an environmental catastrophe, where are they?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think about it. we look out our windows right now and we've got three refineries. We've got a sugar beet factory uh, right down the or, you know a few yep. blocks away from us. We've got uh, a massive rail line uh, a block away from us right now shipping a lot of these same materials I'm assuming. And so I know your your county and local officials and And the area refineries, I mean, there is a huge coordinated effort with disaster and emergency service and others to make sure you what if and war game any of these scenarios. But imagine if something like that occurred here in Montana and the EPA administrator is nowhere to be found. And the transportation secretary doesn't even say a peep about it until uh, over two weeks later. And even then he tries to complain about Donald Trump. Yeah, well, they
3: talk about everything except the issues in the administration. You know, it's kind of interesting. The National Association of Counties meets, and they have many different committees, and I chair the Montana Association of Counties Transportation Committee, and and I sit on the National Association. And So we went back there, and we talk about priorities, and there is a big concern, and uh, in fact the National Association wants to limit the trucks of any larger size. They've got a big push on that because uh, that – The heavier weight limits do cause damage to the highway, and so this administration doesn't really focus, in my opinion, on the transportation bill. So i got some talking points here that I'd like to send out to your listeners, if you wouldn't mind. We'll talk a little bit about their push to put electric vehicles in our country.
1: Yeah, do it. And, uh,
3: you know, we currently, if you've heard this administration said they'd like a goal of 10 years, they'd like everything to be electric. So I thought maybe I'd do a little research, Aaron, and just kind of figure out exactly what that would mean. So I did a little research and uh, the total number of cars and trucks registered in 2022 is 284.5 million units. And of those, 161.5 million units are trucks or commercial vehicles or trucks or delivery rigs and the rest are motor vehicles that we own and register. Total electric vehicles registered in our country and 2022, last year, was 563,000. So we got half a million electric units. So I thought, well, that's a pretty ambitious goal to replace 284 million units, cars and trucks with electric vehicles in 10 years. So I thought, maybe we better do a little research and see what that means. If they increased the electric vehicle deliveries and manufacturing in the United States by 10-fold. So that mean we'd have 5 million cars out of 284 million. It would require uh, 384 new additional graphite, lithium, nickel, and copper mines. And additionally, what we heard back there is they were asking questions around the table why people don't buy electric cars. And, and the problems reported were range anxiety. You know, you can't drive an electric vehicle from Denver to Billings. So if you have a meeting, you probably need a couple of days to get from Denver to Billings in an electric car. Battery degradation, potential fires, battery life. And then, of course, anytime you have a battery, you have some of the same problems that that we have right here. If your battery in your pickup, your Ford F-150, your Chevy, or what Dodge, whatever you drive, goes dead, sits outside in 10 below weather, what happens to it?
1: Yeah, battery goes dead. Free- yeah. freezes, freezes up. Freezes ruins up and the then battery. You ruin the battery, yeah. So you run you across go Montana on
3: Highway 2 or up Highway 87. We have long distances, we have blowing snow, get stuck in your electric vehicle. The heater and of course the air conditioner draw significantly on the battery life, and so you get up there, you run the heater, you're stuck, and the heater goes dead. Then your battery's bad, and your car's ruined. So I'm I'm kind of asking maybe your listeners to ask some questions and see if this is really an effective investment of our money, you know. Uh, I'd kind of personally like to see a little bit more money put into roads, bridges, and infrastructure. I think Stick
1: we all... the basics. Yeah, we hey. all need the basics, and we have a lot of failing bridges and roads right now. Yeah, we've got a transportation department that's focused on woke terminology. They want to do away with terms like aviator. Or no, they want to do away with airman and cockpit, and they want to change it to aviator and, and flight, uh, flight deck. Apparently, they think cockpit is a gender-affiliated uh, term. I mean, they're absolutely... They, they are so... Uh, Nuts about this woke nonsense. I don't even know what they're talking about, but yeah, I had, I had some friends uh, up near uh, Glasgow in Fort Peck, you know, the campground there by Fort Peck Lake, and they said there was this couple that was driving this electric vehicle. They had to go down to one of the campsites to plug into one of those higher voltage campground plug ins to charge their electric vehicle, and they had to sit there for quite some time because they, they didn't realize that, yeah, out here in the middle of nowhere, a little harder to find the charging station that you might need like you can in in, in say, a bigger city but they're so focused on pushing this woke nonsense and meanwhile on the electric vehicle front uh, you probably saw this yesterday i mentioned this story about how ford the ford f150 is it the lightning the light they call it, yeah. they're having battery issues right yeah. now so they're basically pulling those things uh, you know so they're 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 pulling off the production now because of battery issues with the ford f150 electric vehicle now meanwhile the the governor of virginia glenn yonkin i heard this earlier this morning i hadn't even heard this angle yet they wanted to, put, to move some of this production for the, for the Ford electric vehicles to Virginia. He refused because basically in order to do so, you've got to be in bed with the communist Chinese. That's exactly right. You know,
3: you, you're probably aware, you know, they need cobalt, nickel, copper, lithium to manufacture all these batteries. And you're probably aware of the issues around cobalt mining in Africa. Huh? Yeah. So uh, we've got, we got women and little kids out there mining by hand. And we have the environmentalists who want us to drive electric cars trying to tell us that that's correct.
1: Yeah, we had Tom and Bozeman call yesterday. There's a book called Cobalt Red. Wall Street Journal did a review on it. We're Basically, yeah, we, we've, got, we've got not in my backyard liberals in America that want all of these materials for their Green New Deal programs, but they don't want the mining in America. They don't want the mining at, uh, of coal at Signal Peak just north of us. They don't want the, the, uh, the other minerals that might come out of Libby, Montana or Troy, Montana or White Sulphur Springs. So they want a bunch of women and children in Africa to do their dirty work for them. Aaron, I wonder how many of our administration or how
3: many of the senators and the representatives in Congress that have pushed this this Green New Deal have been over to Africa and looked at the cobalt mines. And do you think they should?
1: Well, no, I think that's a that's a great point. They should go see it firsthand for themselves and then come back and justify not supporting these made-in-America jobs. Uh, great point. All right, hold it right there. Back after that.
0: State of Montana. From the peaks of the Bear Juice to the banks of the Clark Fork River. This is Montana Talks. With Aaron Flint.
1: All right, I think we've got about five more minutes here with Yellowstone County Commissioner John Oslin before he's got to run off uh, to his next meeting. And then we'll uh, we'll open up the phone lines for you uh, at the tail end of this hour of the show. You can call in right now if you want to get in the queue, if you got something you want to talk about or jump in on the conversation, 406-294-0970. Uh, uh Commissioner Oslin, you know, you were talking about uh, this this uh, full gas pedal push towards uh, electric vehicles, and there's a piece at the Federalist dot com right now by forcing Americans into electric vehicles, leftists ensure the road trips demise i mean they've been doing it with the higher gas prices trying to force us off the road that way that that's one of the best things about being an american is just getting out on the open road and going for a good old-fashioned road trip and you know camping or you know you name it just hitting the road and seeing where you go what an interesting concept so you live in nebraska ohio
3: illinois anywhere you want to come out and visit glacier park and bring the family So you hop into your electric vehicle, and uh, you spend all your time getting there, and the vacation's
1: over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, heck, that'll happen with the airlines under Buttigieg now, too. You might get stuck in Denver for the whole Christmas break, you know? Yeah, yeah, it could happen, couldn't it? If you're lucky, it could be Seattle, and even worse. uh, You have to deal with the angry angry liberals in control of Seattle right now. (laughs) I was thinking about this, though, and I I had this thought. In fact, I had to type myself a note earlier this morning and it was before i saw that federalist headline but i I had this thought that you know we've been talking a lot about the legislature and gender affirming care where they want to chop where where the left wants to chop body parts off of healthy kids in the name of this radical transgender ideology but you know you think about it when, when you when we look at all the news headlines today uh you know uh, the Ford, the F-150 Lightning, hey, pulled offline because of battery issues. Virginia's Governor Glenn Youngkin rejected Ford's Ford's move to try to build these uh, things in Virginia because because it's basically you're jumping in bed with the communist Chinese, basically. The, the communist Chinese are benefiting off of this Green New Deal push. And what is this Green New Deal push basically doing? It's neutering the American economy or shall we call it gender affirming care for the American economy. They are neutering this economy by, by trying to take the legs out from underneath our shipping industry, agriculture. And the good old American road trip.
3: There's a, there's a new concept you just rolled out on the radio today. Gender-affirming car care. So That's it, right. That takes care of the American family's vacation.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. <laughs> they are not doing the gender-affirming car care at O'Reilly, but oh, 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 if they did. Uh, you know, we allow these kids to make
3: decisions about gender-affirming medical care or whatever. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you can buy cigarettes for under 18 can't join the you gotta be 21 i think now don't you yeah. yeah you can't drink alcohol you can't purchase marijuana you can't do any of them things and i think that's because that most people in a normal society believe that you're not developed. your brain isn't developed enough you're not mature enough to make decisions like that so life-changing decisions are something that i think should never be allowed for kids
1: well you know hey even look at school district two still run by a liberal school board not a bunch of right-wing fanatics there at, uh, at billings west high school but they're installing vape detectors in the bathrooms why are they doing so to prevent kids from making a decision that could harm them for the rest of their life. That's right. Well, yeah. if it makes sense with vaping, uh, shouldn't it make sense with body parts and it, it would sure puberty blockers? It. Yep. Uh, you know, that yep. might lead to sterilization. I I don't know. I mean, if we don't want them to get, if we don't want them to potentially get hooked on vaping for the rest of their life, do we also maybe not want to get them sterile for the rest of their life either? There isn't a lot of common sense left in some of the decisions made in the by government are that no that's that's right about a minute or so to go and then I know you got to run but uh, what's your read on this uh, Palestine Ohio East Palestine Ohio the train derailment uh, somebody I, I think it was on Laura Ingram's program last night they played a soundbite from this uh, from this town hall meeting that they had the railroad didn't even show up for it out there in Ohio but I thought the soundbite said that basically because everybody's kind of wondering Why did they make the decision to burn these chemicals uh, that, that then created this toxic cloud Now, some people might, now maybe they did so because they thought it was going to blow up anyway, and they were, and, and, you know, they, they had, they had a choice between two bad decisions. Neither decision was going to be a good one, so they, but somebody said that the Federal Department of Transportation are the ones who recommended, uh, burning the chemicals up. Either way, what's your read as a, as a county official who's worked very closely on transportation and these types of issues? Aaron, my read is I'm not sure
3: why they made that decision, but I'm sure there was a decision with protecting the water or or maybe instead of the air around there. I'm sure they had a good reason to make the decision. But what troubles me is we got all these environmental left-leaning people running our country right now from the president on down. Where were they? I mean, and where are they now? Why aren't they down there talking to people about what hazardous uh, toxic gas is doing to you, what potential it has to harm you in the future, what they can do to mitigate it? Uh, It's kind of a disappointment that... uh, It seems that they've left the public on their own, uh, and they really haven't
1: responded to what is really an environmental nightmare. That's right. And then uh, some of the locals are basically being told, hey, just go back to your home. It'll be fine. And, and, you know, why aren't they covering their hotel rooms? I and mean, we've got illegal aliens that are filling hotel rooms. Why aren't they helping out the people of East Palestine, Ohio? Yellowstone County Commissioner John Oslin, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah, good to I, see you. And, oh, anything else we missed from the NACO meetings that you think our listeners would be interested in? Some of the conversations that were going on, some of the serious conversations well, that were well, there going are going on a lot of compared to Pete Buttigieg. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, most of the stuff that I attended
3: was transportation-related. We've touched on a lot of that, but I'll get back and we'll talk about all the rest.
1: All right. Sounds good. Any time. Doors always open. Phone lines are open as well. Great to see you as always. Thanks, County Commissioner John Oslin. All right. Hey. uh, Speaking of that front, uh, Jesse Waters made that exact point last night on Fox News. Biden would rather help out someone who breaks into the country illegally than the people of East Palestine. Remember Democrats moved heaven and earth for a Venezuelan migrant? They'll buy him a culturally appropriate piece of food. Put them up in a posh hotel here in Times Square. Give them phones, Xboxes, plane tickets, even lawyers. Democrat mayors will even sleep overnight in a sleeping bag in Brooklyn just to make some illegal feel more comfortable. See, it's not so bad. Even I'm doing it. But when our own citizens get toxic chemicals spilled all over their town, they light the chemicals on fire and make them sign lawsuit waivers and then no-show at the town hall? That way, in 10 years, when they get cancer, they can't sue them? We've spent billions helping illegals, but we're going to stiff, red-blooded Americans in Ohio? Yeah, great point there by Jesse Waters last night on Fox News. All right, let's get into the phone lines here, two nine four zero nine seventy. Tim in Billings, great to hear from you. What's on your mind this morning?
2: Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. Uh, you and Commissioner Austin were talking about the uh, gender-affirming garbage that they were talking about, and I can't remember if I sent you the, the video clip or not, but Matt Walsh, who did the uh, What is a Woman documentary, he uh, he was testifying before a, com- uh, a committee and the House of Representatives, and, uh, you know, these these liberal representatives were going after him saying, you know, that what he was saying was, you know, transphobic and this and that, and he brought up the exact point that uh, Mr. Austin just made. That, uh, you know, people's brains aren't fully developed until they're 25. We've come to figure that out. And, and, uh, you know, he says, and I, so I don't think that people should be having, having, uh, life altering surgeries to remove genitals and body parts at the age of 16. He says, I think that should really be the question. And it went dead silent in that room. And, and he says, do you think they should? And, and you, you could see the panic over these representatives' faces because, Oh my God! Somebody asked them a question that, that would be a stance that could be used against them during the you know election season. And there was a cup. There was a little bit of rumblings in the background off the mic, and and then one of the one of the guys gets on and says, "Oh, oh, oh, oh we we asked the questions, and and uh, such and such uh, representative, your time is recognized." And it was great because it was just you know here here's here's my position. What exactly is your position? Are you in favor of minors being Genetically uh, mutilated and having life-altering body parts removed at, at the age of sixteen. Like I, I thought, it was great because, it's like, or let's see, six. You put that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's see you say that out loud and and justify that because it is the most ridiculous position. But they're so beholden to their micro uh, minority in their group that's the most vocal that seems to be. You know, have, have the reins of that party that they're terrified to speak the truth or, or even have the hint that they would go against that agenda. And it's—I thought that yeah. was a great, a great. Uh, well, that's why they brought the
1: drag queens to, to the legislature in Helena. That's why the Democrats yep. brought and, and treated them oh so graciously. The same Democrats that kicked the that tried to kick the Native American man out of the hearing room altogether, that that rudely interrupted him who was questioning their radical transgender agenda. They tried to silence him and tried to throw him out of there. Oh, but they were so nice and gracious to the drag queens that want to target kids. Uh, Very telling about who runs the Democrat Party. Good point.
3: Turn up your radio. Here's the Sean
1: Hannity Morning Minute. We're not being told the truth. That's that I can tell you, because they don't even know. Why would we fire at objects... That we haven't even identified what they are, but take them out of the, or Have our air force take them out of the sky. By the way, in, in a couple of cases, overpopulated areas, which they said they never would do, which was the excuse for allowing the first spy balloon to make its way all the way across the entire country. You know, so we've got Joe Biden's disastrous first decision, not to shoot down the first Chinese spy balloon. Now they're saying that they they saw it beforehand. Well, if you saw it beforehand, why didn't you take it down beforehand? It's now metastasized into a a national security disaster, as well as a political nightmare, and nobody's answering any questions at all whatsoever.
2: Check out the Sean Hannity radio show later today, right here.
0: My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance
1: any longer.
3: Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 863 5858. That's 1 800 863 5858. Or go to Selectquote.com 1 800 863 5858. That's 1 800
1: 863
0: 5858. Newit.com slash 50 for terms. Broadcasting from the Grizzly Gold and Silver Studios. Trusted by the Northwest. Montana
1: owned. Online at (laughs) grizzlygoldandsilver.com.
0: This is where Montana
1: talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right, we do have the phone lines open if you got something you want to share real quickly here before we wrap up this hour of the show. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, we've got the Speaker of the House Matt Regeer out of Kalispell. He's going to join us for our weekly legislative updates so it'll be good to hear uh, what the latest is uh, action coming out of our state capitol in Helena I know I've heard a lot of you know random news reports about random pieces of legislation but it'll be good to get the uh, the China spy balloon 60,000 foot view uh, level here in just a few minutes as well and then uh, after sp- and we'll take your phone calls as well if we've got time uh, depending on how much time he's got available sometimes it'll be a quick update sometimes he can join us for the whole first half of the program and then we'll we'll take your phone calls as well. But then at nine forty we've got Lewis and Clark County Sheriff Leo Dutton. He is the immediate past president of the Western Sheriff's Association. He was on Fox News earlier this week uh, with a big message uh, that American sheriffs are trying to get across uh, in our nation's capital uh, talking about fentanyl the Mexican drug cartels and more uh, so we'll, we'll catch up with Sheriff uh, Dutton at a Lewis and Clark County uh, in about uh, less than less than one hour here on Montana talks uh, this was a uh, kind of a random story that, that caught my ear uh, this is a uh, the Chicago O'Hare Airport. Have you guys ever flown through Chicago O'Hare? Apparently, the Chicago O'Hare Airport is basically turning into one gigantic homeless shelter. And and the reason why this Chicago story stood out to me is because it's a reminder of how when 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 the left takes over these institutions, when the left takes over cities, when the left. It's like Bryant and Bozeman talked about that one time. They're like a band of locusts. They move into an area and they destroy it. And then after they ruin that place, they move to another area and they destroy that too.
0: Homeless camped out near baggage belts and near exit doors have passengers on edge and worried about the growing problem and whether or not they're safe at the world's third largest airport. One passenger says, quote, I flew back to O'Hare Terminal 3 last week. I had never seen such a homeless problem. In baggage, in the 50 years I've lived in Cook County, it's not even that cold out. The Chicago Department of Aviation downplaying the homeless issue by calling it a, quote, common occurrence at all airports, saying in a statement the CDA is aware of the increasing population of unsheltered individuals at o'hare international airport it's a common occurrence at this airport and airports nationwide when temperatures drop in the winter months
2: yep
1: so they're destroying chicago o'hare airport uh continuing to destroy the city of chicago a once great city all under the direction of democrat mayor lori lightfoot uh 2940970 the number for you al in kalispell what's on your mind thanks for the call
0: hey good morning aaron um What happened to the proposed bill or whatever uh, in the state legislature that would bar ban underage gender mutilation surgery?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, I I know the the main piece of legislation, I believe – let's see. I'm trying to think of – that would be – is that Senate Bill 99? Yeah, that's Senate Bill 99. That passed the state senate, so it should be working its way through the state house. Uh, and then simultaneous to that, there's a bill to protect doctors and nurses and other health care workers so that they don't get forced into per- performing those types of procedures. Uh, that is uh, House Bill 303, if I recall correctly. That passed the House, so we will start working its way through the Senate. So I, I believe that's the latest, but uh, I'd have to check with uh, folks like Jeff Lasloffy from the Family Foundation or uh, Speaker Regeer here in just a few mo- minutes to make sure that, uh, that I'm tracking. Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that. All right, thank you. But yeah, if, if you want to weigh in, get a hold of your lawmakers. You can go to ledge.mt.gov. The phone number is there. You can email your specific lawmakers uh, on that, or any other topic out there. Uh, and and when you call, I'm told that a message gets printed up and delivered to them on the floor of their respective chambers. Uh, or you can also call in here, and that message gets across loud and clear in Helena as well tax breaks in 2022 for small businesses. I'm Ginny Cosolo with your Fox Business Tax Tip coming up after this.
0: The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news, twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Did you start a business in 2022? Bankrate senior industry analyst Ted Rossman says there's a tax break for you. You're eligible for a deduction of up to $5,000 in startup expenses. And you may be eligible for less company complicated filing. Sole proprietorship, freelancers, kind of like nascent businesses, that's actually something that you can file along with your personal tax form. And for last year, companies could deduct the entire cost of many business-related meals purchased from a restaurant. Ginny Kosola, Fox News.
0: Broadcasting from the